the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. Christ didn't simply heal a paralyzed man. He transformed him, both physically and spiritually. Those who are saved understand the very physical and spiritual relationship they have with Jesus Christ. If you know this, want this for someone else or for yourself, keep listening. The Transformative Power of Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good afternoon, Southeast Texas. This is Pastor John Allworth, and it is wonderful to be with you on a hot, hot Houston afternoon. I hope you're being safe out there. I want to go to prayer before we start the sermon. I'm going to preach today on pride and humility, which is a a wonderful subject for all of us, including myself. One of the benefits of of preaching is is that you get to preach to yourself. So I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, but I want to open in prayer. I want to lift two people up and excuse the personal reference, but two people up um, that I love very much. And that is my father-in-law, Clyde Wood, and my wife, Rebecca. Uh, Clyde is, is suffering from uh, AFib and his heart rate has been going erratically and going very high and and my wife is uh, just a wonderful loving caring person and she's been caring for him nonstop for about the last 10 days and so I want to I want to lift them up and everyone out there that is suffering from any kind of illness I hope that you turn to Jesus Christ for all your needs because he is the great physician he is the one that can cure us so Father God we just come to you today with just uh, just such gratitude on our hearts you're so wonderful you are so loving you're you're just such a gracious god and it is a, a truly an honor to serve you father i just lift up clyde wood right now father i just ask that that you you comfort him that you give him peace father and i ask for a supernatural touch of healing right now father a supernatural to envelop his heart and and just calm it down and give him healing father i, I pray that this wonderful doctor who is this cardiac doctor who is treating him, I pray that you give him wisdom, Father. I pray that the surgical procedure that's coming up is going gonna, is gonna to cure him, Father God, that not only will the medicine that came from you, the knowledge of this medicine came from you, but also that you'll be there in the operating room and you will supernaturally guide his hands and help him to heal him, Father. We know that we are healed by your stripes. And, Father, I just lift up my wife, just give her the peace that surpasses all understanding and just embrace her with your love and give her strength as she goes through this. In Jesus' name we pray. All right. I want to get right into my sermon today. It's on pride and humility, and um, it's a very subject, a very important subject. And I want to, if you want to be closer to God, if you want to get past certain situations that you have, if you want to you know, if you want to just improve your life, then there's there's a disease, there's a fiery dart from the devil, there's a problem that we have, and and it's called pride. And uh, we're going to start today in one of my favorite uh, areas of Scripture, and that is Luke 18, and it's a wonderful Scripture. We're going to start in verse 9, 
and it, it shows us what Jesus was up against, and it shows us what we're up against as, as human beings, imperfect human beings. So we're going to read from the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus ended the parable. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That is a lesson that is throughout the Bible. And it is one that we better listen to. You know, the devil is called the proud spirit. Sir Thomas More called him that in the 16th century. The proud spirit. And we see the first example of this is the devil and all the angels that followed him fell from heaven. Their pride. They thought they could be like God. They thought they could be better than God. And oh, how they were mistaken. And that's the first fall. We see the second example of this in the Garden of Eden. The first example of disbelief. The serpent came and deceived Eve and said, you will certainly not die. You will be like God, knowing good from evil. Well, again, we tend to exalt ourselves. We all struggle with this. She wanted, you know, she thought she would be prideful. This would be wonderful. She would be like God. She wouldn't die. And that was the second example of how pride has caused so much misery in the world. John Stott, the great theologian, the Time magazine called one of the most hundred influential people in the world, once said, pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. That is so true. It is throughout the Bible. You know, it's one thing to hear things, to hear the words and, and understand the words. It's another thing to really accept it as true, but it's another thing to get these concepts down into your heart, into your very bone marrow, so that you really live this. That's a very different thing, and I want you to get this down into your heart, into your heart. Pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. C.S. Lewis, the great theologian C.S. Lewis said, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice The utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. You know, we see this again throughout the Bible, but there's an answer, and we're going to get to that in the second half of this sermon. There's an answer, and his name is Jesus Christ, because he showed us in his time on earth how to walk in humility and love. But pride throughout the Bible, Israelites would go proud of what they accomplished, stop giving God the credit, and they would fall. Another wonderful example is in Second Chronicles with Uzziah. I don't have time to go through it, but we, fe- we hear that after he became powerful and prideful, his pride led to his destructions. Early Christians coined a phrase, and they called they called the seven deadly sins. Both St. Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, two giants of early Christian theology, taught that pride was at the root of all sin and evil. So did Martin Luther and John Calvin. And indeed, I can tell you, I believe personally that the pride is at the center of each of these seven deadly sins. 
You know, pride stops us so much in our lives. With our spouses, you know, as men, we're called to love our wives like Christ loved the church. That's a hard, hard, high burden to meet. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to imitate Christ. And, you know, pride keeps us from that. Pride gets us in these little arguments that aren't really important about anything. So pride convinces wrath or anger that if I don't get my way, someone else is at fault and will have to pay. Pride convinces envy that I deserve better than you. Pride convinces gluttony that I deserve all that I can get, and I better get my fill. Pride convinces greed that the more I have, the more I will be fulfilled, and after all, I deserve it. Pride convinces lust that my fleshly pleasure comes before God's priorities. What a terrible priority system that is. Pride convinces sloth or laziness that I should get with someone else and let someone else do the hard work for me. You know, the book of James tells us each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has become conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Paul writes the wages of sin are death, and pride is at the root of so much of our sin. The Bible, it's throughout the Bible. I'm just going to read a few scriptures that are perfectly on point, and then I'm going to get into what the answer is. And the answer comes to us, as it always does, through Jesus Christ, through following Christ Jesus, our, our Lord and Savior. In Proverbs sixteen eight, the pride the Bible tells us pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs eleven two tells us when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility is wisdom. In James four six we hear God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. People are blinded by their pride. And then they think that they're, they're the ones that accomplished everything. They don't say, stop giving glory to God. Everything we do, good in life, I've lived this. My pride led to destruction. But when I turned and surrendered to God, I give all glory to him. Everything good that has happened in my life, since I surrendered my life to God, is to his credit. Not mine. And spiritual pride, you know, I've seen this. I've seen this. It's, it's so dangerous. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher from the 18th century, wrote, The first and worst cause of errors that abound in our day and age is spiritual pride. This is the main door by which the devil comes into the hearts of those who are zealous for the advancement of Christ. It is the chief inlet of smoke from the bottomless pit to darken the mind and mislead the judgment. Pride is the main handle by which he has hold of Christian persons and the chief source of all the mischief that he introduces to clog and hinder a work of God. Spiritual pride is the main spring or at least the main support of all other errors. Until this disease is cured, medicines are applied in vain to heal all other diseases. Spiritual pride. I see, I see pastors who stop giving glory to God and think they're all that. We're just servants. That's all we are to God, the glory. I know a pastor, well, that once walked out of a church and said, when I leave, the Holy Spirit is leaving. That's just not true. The Holy Spirit dwells in all of us. He's there. Jesus told us he would not leave us orphans. He's there to encourage us, to guide us. All we have to do is ask for him. You know, a lot of problems 
come from not just problems with people hold resentments and grudges for years and years, and that's just heavy on their heart. It keeps them. I'm telling you, pride separates you from God. We're told to forgive our one another so that our Father in heaven can forgive us. Pride keeps us in addiction, people in addiction, because they're too prideful to ask for help. It causes difficulty at work when we get upset over being passed up or we don't think we're being rewarded sufficiently. As I said, it causes us to treat our spouses poorly. It bows up our back, causes us to do stupid things. If you're driving right now, don't do anything dumb because somebody cut you off. It's really not that big a deal. Just wave at them, pray for them, and move on. Pride causes us to judge other people. It renders us unchristlike, makes us exalt ourselves, our possession, and ultimately separates us from God. And then this one really got me. This is the last thing, and then I'm going to move on to the answer, and that is to be like Jesus, to walk in humility, to walk in love. Here's a, a definition of pride that really caught me. It's from another theologian named William Law, and he said, there can be no sure proof of a confirmed pride than a belief that one is sufficiently humble. Whoa, let me say that one again. There can be no sure proof of a confirmed pride than a belief that one is sufficiently humble. It's something we have to work on, folks. Our flesh, we have an eternal battle of, of our spirit versus our flesh, and our flesh wants to be prideful. It does. But Jesus wants us to be humble like he was. So there's an answer. There's an answer to this human dilemma, just as there is to every single human problem we have. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. In Revelation 4.11, the 24 elders are bowing down. And, and we hear they lay their crowns before the throne. And they say, you are worthy, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Another great theologian named Andrew Murray. If you haven't ever read his, his thesis on, on humility, it's wonderful. He said, when God created the universe, it was the, uh, with the object of making man the partaker of his perfection and blessedness, and so showing forth it, in it the glory of his love and wisdom and power. God is so good, folks. He is so wonderful. And Murray said, humility is nothing but the disappearance of self in the vision that God is all. He also said, said humility, the place of entire dependence on God, is from the very nature of things, the first duty and the highest virtue of the of man and the root of every virtue. Let's go back to what the scripture we started with. That's why I started with it. This this tax collector who knew he was a sinner beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. He knew that everything good he had came from God. As opposed to the Pharisee who Jesus faced these people who thought they were all that throughout his ministry who thought, you know, I'm just so wonderful, looked down his nose. We're not called to judge anyone. We're called to love them. We're called to love our, our God, Lord, our God, with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what we're called to do. We're called to imitate Christ. Do you know that the Bible calls us, Jesus calls us friends? He says there's no greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friends. Do you know the Bible calls us Christ ambassadors on earth, God's co-workers? That's who we're called to be. So let's look at how Jesus Christ lived himself. Because the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But Paul said, imitate me 
just as I also imitate Christ. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, deny that pride, pick up their cross daily and follow me. In Mark ten forty five, Jesus said, for even the son of man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't that incredible, folks? Jesus Christ created the heavens and the earth, came down and lived as a man and came to serve. Let's look what Jesus said in relation to the Father. He said in John 5, 19, the Son can do nothing by himself. In John 5, 30, by myself I can do nothing, for I seek not to please myself, but the one who sent me. In John 5, 41, I do not receive glory from men. How often do we fall into that trap where we, where we seek glory from other people? where that's where our satisfaction comes from. The truth of the matter is, folks, we live for an audience of one. (laughs) Let me say that again. We live for an audience of one. That's who we need to please. We need to be praying that we do God's will in our lives rather than our own. We need to be uh, uh, pleasing him. That needs to be our goal. We can't always do it perfectly, but that needs to be our goal. Jesus said in John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus said in John seven sixteen, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. So what did Jesus teach? Aside from focusing on doing the will of his father, upon giving glory to his father, upon being humble, upon being a servant, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, he taught, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and I will give you rest for your souls. You know, if you if you ever are confused about life, don't know what to do or how to handle situations, go back and read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It is so powerful. Let's see the, say these quotes again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for those is the, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, the disciples, for all the good they do, they were still just human beings. They were ordinary people like you and me. And in Luke chapter 9, the disciples were, they, they, they walked with Jesus. They watched how humble he was. They watched as he, as he touched lepers and as he talked to the Samaritan woman and as he healed on the Sabbath. And he, he was just so humble and such a servant, yet they were sitting there arguing over who was the greatest. And Jesus placed a child beside them and said, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is the least among you who will be the greatest. In Mark chapter 9, we hear about the same argument. And Jesus says it a little bit differently here. He's quoted a little bit differently. He said, what were you all arguing about? But they became quiet because they knew (laughs) they shouldn't have been arguing about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be the first must be the very last. And here's the key and the servant of all. That's what we're called to do, folks. We're called not to be prideful, not to argue about who's the best, not to try to outdo one another, not to get mad when we cut each other off, not to get mad at our spouses over stupid little things and and in pride bow ourselves up and be mad all night and be mad for the next week. We're not called to, to hold resentments from things that people did to you 10 years ago. No, we're called to forgive one another, to be humble, to serve one another. In Galatians 5.13, Paul wrote, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. 
Rather, serve one another humbly in love. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. That's who Jesus called us to be. And you know, when we set aside our foolish pride, because it so often is just grounded in foolishness, then everything starts to change. We need to adopt the spirit that Jesus Christ had. And, you know, you may say, well, that's impossible. Well, it is impossible to do it as perfectly as he did, but we have the Holy Spirit to encourage us, indwelled within us, to guide us. We know when we're right or wrong. When we're following Jesus, we've, we've truly accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've repented of our sins. We've given him our heart. We know, you know, in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Paul wrote something beautiful. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." You know how horrible that death on that cross was? But you know what he did? He pardoned us all. He took trillions and trillions and billions of sins, and he hammered them to that cross, and he forgave us while we were yet still sinners. No greater love has anyone than to lay life down, lay one's life down for a friend. Jesus calls us friends. He's directly quoted calling us friends. He laid down his life. So Paul continues, Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. How beautiful is that? Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why we're on this radio show. We want to reach out into the city. There are too many people that are lost, that are dying, that don't know Jesus Christ in their heart. We're called to make disciples of all nations. If you want to help us do that, join us at New Covenant Church Greater Heights, Sunday nights in the Heights. We worship at 6 p.m. every Sunday at 240 West 18th Street, 240 West 18th Street, 77008. We're a new church plant. If you're worried there's plenty of room to, to spread out and socially distance, you're welcome to wear a mask. Come join us. You know, we're building something exciting. We're, we're a church where you're going to be loved, accepted. You know, we're not going to judge you. We're going to love you. We're going to sh- try to show you the light of Jesus Christ. And we want to reach out into the community. That's why we've got the show on, on Wednesday called Recovery Radio, because there are too many people hurting and dying. You know, we think of God as we should in terms of majesty. And more, is he majestic? I mean, can you think, if you've ever, have you ever contemplated just how vast the galaxies are, the universe is? He's incredible. It's amazing. And just how majestic the earth is. I was, I was talking to a friend who just came back from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. He said, if you don't believe in God, just go up there. The majesty is overwhelming. So he is majestic, but he is also humble beyond any of us we disobey him we sin we are selfish we get jealous envious and angry we keep falling for the distraction and the snares of the enemy but he's there like the like the story of the prodigal son 
where the guy goes out and lives the wild life and finally comes back humble, thinks he's going to eat with what his his father's servants are eating. But God, the father, is standing there. It's his father, but symbolizing God with open arms and gives him a robe and a ring and sandals and, and kills the fatted calf. That's the God we serve. That's how wonderful he is. That's how humble he is. He puts up with all of that because he loves us. And we need to love him back and be humble like his son who showed us how to walk in love and humility. We need to repent. If you want to be closer to God, then be more like Jesus. Repent. Forgive whoever you held something against. Turn the other cheek. Give God the glory for everything good in your life. Serve him and serve his people. If you do that there, you'll begin to find the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5.22. You know, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to to have you come to our church services. We're a non-denominational, Bible-based, Spirit-filled church. We'd love to meet you. Come worship with us this next Sunday. I know it's kind of hard sometimes walking into a new place, but you'll be greeted with open arms. New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, 240 West 18th Street, 77008. We love you at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, but more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Good night and amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.